I'm Josh Boaz. I'm Matt Zucker. There are a lot of podcasts featuring top executives. But what about the next wave of leadership? The makers and the doers. The ones we're all going to work for. We wanted to meet them. Find out their story, how they got to where they are, and what they see coming for everyone. This is a spotlight on those on the way up. This is Rising. This week, we're talking to Joe Lazowskis, head of marketing at Contently. I've actually known Joe for many years. First, when he was editor-in-chief of The Faster Times, and I was the lowly advertising columnist. Joe's a storied career in content, actually, working in a variety of roles from editor-in-chief to head of content strategy, and now, most recently, head of marketing. He and Shane um, Snow also have a best-selling book out on the art and science of storytelling called The Storytelling Edge, How to Transform Your Business, Stop Screaming into the Void, and Make People Love You. I love Joe, so let's say hello. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Well, welcome, Joe. Yeah, I love how you guys are wearing matching shirts. This is terrible audio right here, but just know if we'll you're show listening, you're wearing exact matching shirts. And it's kind of <laughs> creepy. Now now all our guests know that we dress like this every <laughs> every podcast. It's a thing. Um, anyway, Joe, it's so good to have you on because we wanted to find out about a little bit about you know, your, your career trajectory, how did you, and you just got promoted recently too. So how did you make certain choices and which ones have stuck out at you and stayed with you till this day? So I stumbled ass backwards into marketing. I was, uh, graduated college. I was the social media editor at a parenting magazine called Babel. It's kind of like a park slope hipster parenting magazine. And I was in charge of social, which is like early socials, like 2010 social. And I was just pretending to be a 35-year-old mom on Twitter. I was like <laughs> doing mom chats every day at noon, being like, what are your favorite binkies? And I'm really scared of these 10 signs of menopause, are you? And so anyway, I was about to get fired from that job. Um, but luckily at night, I was working on a digital news site called The Faster Times. Mm-hmm. And we got this out of nowhere deal where uh, Colleen DeCourcy, who's now one of the partners at Wyatt and Kennedy, was starting her own agency. And she wanted a group of writers to uh, contribute to the brand and content stuff she was doing. Content marketing wasn't really a thing yet, but that was her basic idea. So she licensed us to take our contributor network and start doing work for her agency. Um, So that was sort of the big uh, unexpected break that allowed me to quit that job I was probably going to get fired from to go into start doing advertising and marketing work. And kind of get into this career of content marketing I've had over the last almost 10 years or so um, that's been really exciting and interesting and surprisingly uh, successful. And content marketing was kind of new. I don't even know if we were calling it then. No, the term didn't really crop up till Mm 2012-ish. So at first it was just like, oh, there's all these brands that are now on social and they need content to connect with their audiences. Well, we have writers. Let us just broker these arrangements. Let's produce the content for the brands oh, they're actually willing to pay us way more money than we were making on traditional digital ads. Let's just start a content studio, which is what led us to start one of the first native ad studios there just to, out of a survival instinct. We wanted to keep the lights on. Was that hard to convert from writing journalistic-like content to branded content, or was it natural? So for me, I was doing less of the brand writing. I was more thinking from a business perspective, brokering that for the writers. We definitely tried to go for assignments that felt fun or quirky or natural for the writer. So something like first person pop culturally, let let me try out this new Doves Men product, or let's run this experiment on quirky where we pitch a bunch of different inventions, things like that. 
Um, for me, I didn't do anything really for a brand until uh, when we decided to sell the Faster Times. Uh, I went over to Contently as one of their first employees to kind of build their branded editorial arm. But even that was a company that was founded by journalists. So the mission there as editor in chief was very much build the publication, the magazine for uh, the content marketing industry. Um, but I think the best branded content comes when you are you have a mission of helping your audience. Like you want to write something, you want to report on something that's useful, that's truthful, that's not BS, that's not a display ad in sheep's clothing. Um, and that's often what a lot of good content strategy comes down to, finding that sense of authenticity and truth um, in what a brand is producing instead of, you know, this sneaky thing where we're going to, you know, produce a piece of content that's somehow going to trick you into buying something. So it seems like you leaned into some of the more the business side earlier on. Um, anything in your background that led you to that route? God, no. No, I studied creative writing in Sarah Lawrence College, which is like one of the artsiest things you can do. Like I spent all of my college years basically like rolling around on a lawn in Westchester, writing in moleskin notebooks and like reading Russian literature. Um, the only thing was that I went, I interned when I was uh, after my sophomore year of college at nerve which was this sex and pop culture mag that was like really big in the late 90s it was only one of the only digital mags to survive the dot-com bubble bursting and i was there and it was just this thriving like energetic soho startup atmosphere actually about five blocks from where we're recording right now and i didn't really understand totally how the business worked but i started to get a gist of it and i just thought i want to work in an environment like that. And then really, the only thing in my background was that I graduated into a recession. It was a terrible time to be a writer and a journalist. You had to figure out how to make money somehow. So that sort of forced an entrepreneurial instinct to say, oh, let me start this new site. Oh, we're not making money off ads. Let's try doing stuff for brands. Um, and then to be very attracted to a startup like Contently that was using a technology platform to connect brands with freelancers. Um, and it was pretty easy for me to see that and say, that's a much smarter way of doing things than how we were doing it at Faster. Right. I think a lot of people feel like when they, they you know, especially creatives, they have to pursue like the creative side or the business side, right? And it's a, it's a tension. And any advice you'd give um, kind of young people that are facing that tension? I think that's a false choice, this decision between creativity and business. I mean, there's a lot of creativity in business, but as, as creators today, there's really no path that's just, I'm going to make stuff and I'm never going to have to be concerned with how to build an audience, with how to attract people, um, with how to get them to become, to not just click on my piece of content, but become loyal to me. Because loyalty is the key to any sort of recurring revenue, whether you're attracting people with your content to sell another product, like a piece of software, or because you want to monetize that for advertising. The challenge today is not getting people to come to your content, but keeping them there. Um, so you have to think through a lot of business problems just to solve that fundamental, uh, issue with creating content today. Um, so you have to tap into that business side of your brain. So if, if you, what about your career though? Like if you kind of fell into being syndicated writer, like a professional writer, and then you got to contently and you got this cool editor in chief role of the magazine for the company, like what? Is your career very intentional or are you just finding interesting things and wading in? 
I think it's more just finding interesting things and wading into it. I definitely, when I took the job at Contently, did not go into it and be like, I'm going to run marketing at this company one day. <laughs> like that didn't even occur to me. I didn't know anything really about marketing at the time. Like, I knew a lot about native advertising because I'd done that part of the business yeah. at Faster. But in terms of B2B marketing, like driving leads, having a funnel, nurturing leads, turning an MQL into an SQL, sales enablement, like all that stuff were things I had to learn on the job. But it was surprisingly interesting to me. Um, I was like, this is actually a very curious problem to solve. I am working at building the business of something I care really deeply about. Like I care very deeply about Contently. We've paid out over $50 million to freelance creatives. We pay the highest rates in the industry. Um, we allow people to live much different and more spectacular lives, like taking their families to Antarctica and other countries because of the freelance income they make through us. And that mission is something I really care about. So um, it doesn't feel dirty to me at all to wade into the more marketing parts of the world because that's what it takes to build a sustainable business that's helping creators, you know, all over the globe. As a new head of marketing, what do you what do you have to learn? Like what do you what do you not know that you need to go learn next month? <laughs> uh, the biggest thing is the more technical martech side of the business. Like I've never gotten my hands super dirty in Salesforce and Pardot. And it's like, how do we clean our database? How do we set up all the segmentations and nurture streams? Um, I have people on my team who do that, but I have to understand it and speak the language myself to know when things are going wrong. So that's been interesting to learn. I'm not going to say it's absolutely the most. How fun do you part learn? Time. Are you learning from them? Are you googling on the side when they leave the room? How are you? No, I'm like learning from them. Like, show me how this. How do I create a campaign in Pardot? You know, I. Why are our Salesforce roles set up the way they are? And often the answer to that is like, ah, no one really knows. <laughs> so tell us about the book that you, uh, you're writing or, or you have out. Yeah, The Storytelling Edge came out last year. It's about the art and science of storytelling. It's the first half of the book. The thing we're working on right now is actually an educational course based off of the book uh, on the science of breakthrough storytelling and collaboration and communication uh, within business. So I actually met with Shane this morning and we spent a lot of time outlining it. Uh, we're in the process of recording right now. Uh, we're hoping to have that out later this fall. So I'm really excited about that. Educational courses in marketing and collaboration is, I think, a huge arena, something that people need a lot of and e-learning is just going to continue to accelerate. So I'm playing around with that a lot is just part of our marketing for Contently. We're putting out a lot of content strategy courses. Uh, but also doing one based off of the book. Um, so excited about that. Do you have a thank you note to give out? Yeah, I give my thank you note to my co-writer, collaborator, Shane. Uh, I met Shane when I was just turned 24 years old, really was wandering in the wilderness. Uh, and he was like 27 in this rising star on like the technology and marketing scene, like the hot kid in uh, New York tech stars. And he took a lot of time to like have lunch with me to give me advice and what I was doing with faster, like where we saw the industry coming. At the time, Shane was uh, Mormon. And so he didn't drink or anything. But his vice was pizza. So and I'm lactose intolerant. But his big <laughs> thing they wanted was to have pizza lunches. So I would be sitting there <laughs> sharing a pizza with him. 
and just like going in the bathroom and <laughs> just basically shoving lactate down my throat and being like, this is totally fine. But you know what? It was worth it because he taught me how to become a better writer. Uh, he taught me how to think like a real entrepreneur, uh, to be a speaker. And he's just still someone that I learn from every time I work on a project with him. Oh, thank you, Shane. Fascinating. So now we're, we're at a part in our podcast where we like to ask our, our guests um, some trends uh, that they're following. So anything that you're, you're seeing that we should think to keep an eye on? So one thing I'm pretty obsessed with right now, I've been reporting on a lot um, as a freelance journalist, is the science of storytelling, particularly from a neuromarketing perspective. So there's a lot of really interesting technologies that are emerging that are focused on really tracking how different stories, advertisements, experiences immerse us on a neurological level. Um, there's three big companies that are pursuing this and have very legitimate and I think promising technology, Immersion Neuroscience, uh, which is created by some researchers at Claremont University, including Dr. Paul Zak. Uh, they're looking to apply it uh, more in a DIY way. It's like these uh, simple bands that measure immersion from heart rate and oxytocin production by measuring mm -hmm. the vagus nerve on your arm and uh, different heartbeat signals. Uh, there's Spark Neuro, which is just around the corner uh, from here in New York. And they're more of a full, uh, a full set of signals. So they're tracking brainwave activity, a variation of fMRR, which is like the full scan of flow in the brain, uh, electricity um, in sweat glands, which signals attention, as well as eye movements. They have a really interesting setup and algorithm set of data points they're looking at. And then another company called Neuro Insight that Shane and I have just started. Uh, talking to. So this is a fascinating field in terms of using this technology to understand what people really like, where they're really engaged. It's much more reliable than focus groups and surveys that we've been relying on for years in TV and advertising in Hollywood, which are notoriously unreliable. They don't, people have a ton of biases in how they respond to those. They want to tell the researcher what they want to hear. Uh, but this technology is allowing us to really understand what people engage with, what's likely to make them want to buy something, to watch something again. Uh, and the technology is getting rapidly much, much better uh, and going to, I think, revolutionize the advertising industry as well as the entertainment industry in some big ways. Cool. Wow. Now it's time for top picks, where each one of us kind of says something that we think the listeners should know about. It could be a site, a book, um, a product. It could be pretty much anything. So, Josh, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, so my pick this week is uh, a documentary on Netflix, uh, The Great Hack. Mm. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It was it's basically the Cambridge Analytica story, and uh, it goes from you know you see like the sales decks they use to pitch these governments. You know, basically they'll you know overthrow other governments, and oh, it's wow. it's it's fascinating. And uh, what was scary about it was some of the corollaries you see between like what they're presenting and kind of what we present in digital marketing. <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's very uh, very connected, but it's a it's a great documentary. Cool. What about you, Joe? I'll plug uh, a book about love uh, by Jonah Lear. The he you probably will remember most notoriously for making up Bob Dylan quotes in his yep. book Imagination. This was his comeback book that came out a couple of years ago, but not a lot of people have read, I think, as a result. Um, it reminds you of why he was the most promising pop sci writer 
uh, of his generation up until the scandal, considered the next Malcolm Gladwell. And it's a fascinating book about the neuroscience of relationships and what makes us have productive relationships or tragic ones. Um, and it's a book that probably impacted the way I think about the relationships in my own life more than anything else that I've ever read. Cool. Mine is an app which um, a guy named Abe just introduced me to at breakfast this week called Mile IQ. I feel like everyone heard about this except for me. I haven't heard and it's it. a mileage tracking and logging app and it's used for your business travel. And I think it's like IRS friendly. So later in the year, you can show what was business trips versus commuting versus some, something else. And it really works well. You just swipe back and forth and it logs all your travel wherever you are. So I think it's pretty convenient and kind of cool. Thanks, Abe. Thanks, Joe, for coming on and being a part of, of Rising. We learned so much about you and from you. Thank you. And I really do hope that you guys post that picture of you. In <laughs> we shirts. will. We will. And where can people find you if they're interested? So you can learn more about my book, The Storytelling Edge, at thestorytellingedge.com. Uh, if you're interested in signing up for early access to the course based off the book, go to snowacademy.net. Uh, that's Shane's uh, educational website that he's building. And uh, most active on Twitter at Joe Lozowskis. Uh, figure out how to spell my name. Please follow me there. We'll put the show notes. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Joe. Our theme music was created for us by Movers and Shakers, a really cool creative studio who use original music and dance to bring brands to life. It's such a fresh approach to telling a brand story, and their work really engages emotionally with consumers. In fact, they recently won a Webby. You can watch their videos for Match.com, Little Tykes, and others on their website, MoversShakers.co.